Welcome to Harvest with Greg Laurie. This TV show is all about helping you get to know God better because God loves you and God has a plan for you and God wants to transform your life and he's told us everything you need to know about him and life in general in this book, The Bible, The User's Manual of Life. So we're going to be talking about what the Bible says and what God wants to do in your life. Again, welcome and God bless you. Welcome to SoCal Harvest. I'm coming right here. (laughs) You know, it really doesn't matter where you are in the world. We're all basically the same. I read an interesting uh, statement by an expert who pointed out that Germans are lonely. The French are lonely. Even the Scandinavians are lonely. And I thought they were supposed to be the happiest people on earth. All around the world, people are lonely. It's so bad in the United Kingdom that the British Prime Minister has appointed a minister of loneliness. And studies show that the loneliest people in the world are Americans. And the loneliest Americans are Generation Z. They're also the least healthy. And COVID has only made things worse. All the wrong things have been going up in the last months. Of course, self-harm is up 334%. Overdoses are up 119%. Anxiety is up 94%. Depression is up 84%. Alcohol use is up. Divorce is up. And it's because people are down. But Jesus said, look up because your redemption draws near. It's time to look up, people. I read a headline from Inc. Magazine that made this statement. We lost, the gadgets won. You know, smartphone use has gone up dramatically since this pandemic started. I read that the average smartphone user unlocks their phones 150 times a day. We spend around two hours a day on social media. And honestly, I think some people spend a whole lot more than that. 85% of smartphone users check their phones while speaking with friends and family. Why? What is is it we're doing? We're looking at other people on Instagram, TikTok, maybe Facebook, looking at their lives. And many times we're thinking, I wish I had their life. Look at them, they're happy. Their teeth are really white. They have all that money. They have everything that I dream of. That has to be the answer. Or is it? Andy Warhol once said, quote, in the future, everyone will be famous for 15 minutes, end quote. And that's pretty much come true, primarily because of social media. What is everyone's favorite form of photography today? Selfies. Selfies, right? And so many want to be rich and famous. And social media now is a platform where to some degree you can have your own version of fame as you grow your followers and more people are aware of what you're doing. But then there are other effects as well. I read about one social media influencer 
uh, who was on Instagram and had millions of followers, and she said, I've had enough. The negatives of being an influencer, influencer outweigh the positive. This role has done an immense amount of damage to me and my relationships. Facebook did an internal study among their folks who use their platform and they discovered that many of the people that use it have higher suicide and depression rates. What is going on? People want to be known. People want to have significance. People want to have their lives matter. We want to belong. We want to love. And we want to be loved. The title of my message is What You're Really Looking For. What You're Really Looking For. You know, sooner or later, everybody gets around to asking the big questions of life, such as, what is the meaning of my life? Why am I here on this earth? Why do I exist? And what should my purpose in life be? And that's because as human beings, we all have a desire to make a mark, to achieve something. We want our lives to count for something greater than ourselves, and that's because God wired us that way. We're pre-wired for something more. It goes back to your childhood. You're always wanting that something more. <laughs> when you're a little kid, it's a, maybe a toy. Then you get a little older and it changes. What is that expression? The only difference between men and boys is the price of their toys, right? Oh, this relationship will do it, we think. Oh, this degree might do it. Or maybe this house will do it. Or this experience. Or whatever it is. And we seek and we search. And that's why people seek after fame. They're saying, I want to be noticed. Listen, you are noticed. You're noticed by God. You're loved by God. And your life can have significance. <laughs> the Bible says God has put eternity in our hearts. I'll tell you what that is deep down inside of you. You're yearning for God. That's really what you want. You may not have known that. It's God that you're really looking for. So where do you find it? The answer is 2,000 years old. And guess where you find the answer? You find it in this book called The Bible. The Bible. B-I-B-L-E. Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. This is the user's manual of life you've been looking for. People are searching everywhere, probably somewhere in their house. There's a dust-covered Bible waiting to be opened with the answers. I want to tell you a Bible story. This is a story of a wealthy, affluent man. He's often referred to as the rich young ruler. So to be a ruler back in biblical times, you had to be at least 30. So he's young, so he's in his young 30s. He's affluent, probably has a BMW chariot. He comes to Jesus, he's holding a lavender low-fat oat milk latte. What is with the lavender latte? Where did that come from? Lavender latte, seriously, I was with a guy the other day, I won't say his name, Ben, and we're ordering lattes. I said, I'll have a cappuccino. Someone else says, I'll have a black coffee. And Ben says, I'll have a lavender, low-fat, oat milk latte. I'm like, seriously, dude? He, he drank it. He enjoyed it. So Jesus and this affluent young man have a conversation. What Jesus says to this young man still applies to young men and young women today. 
applies to all people today. It's found in Matthew 19. We read these words. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good thing must I do to have eternal life? Jesus said, why do you ask me what is good? Only God is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. And the young man said, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not testify falsely or lie, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said, I've obeyed all of these commandments. What else must I do? All right, Jesus said, I want you to sell everything that you have, give the money to the poor, you know, have treasure in heaven, and then you can come and follow me. Listen to this. When that young man heard that, he went away sad because he had many possessions. So I'll stop there. So something was missing in this life. He says, where can I find eternal life? What do I need to do to get eternal life? Jesus says, keep the commandments. Now why did Jesus point this young man to the Ten Commandments? Because by keeping the commandments, you can get closer to God? No, au contraire. That's French for snails with garlic. No, that's escargot, excuse me. No, that's not it at all. Actually, to find eternal life, you have to believe in Jesus. But Jesus said, check out the commandments because the 10 commandments weren't given to make me righteous. They were given to show me how messed up I am. They were given to show me I need God. The 10 commandments, what are they? Have no other gods before him. Don't make any graven images. Honor your father and mother. Don't lie, don't steal, don't commit adultery. The list goes on. And every one of us in this place right now and everyone watching and listening has broken the commandments. There are some listening that may have broken all of the commandments, even murder. Don't say you're one of those people that'll freak out people around you, okay? But I want to tell you this. Even if you killed someone, God would forgive you. See, there was a thief on the cross. Remember when Jesus was crucified? There was a man on each side of him. We call them the thieves. The word in the Greek speaks of a serious criminal. So he was probably a murderer, guilty of a capital crime. So here's Jesus hanging on the cross and Christ says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. His first statement from the cross of Calvary. This man turns to Jesus, this criminal, probably what the Romans would consider a terrorist, says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Listen to me. No matter what sin you have committed, God will forgive you tonight if you'll ask for his forgiveness. Notice Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. How long does it take to become a Christian? You know, sometimes people say, I'm in the process of converting. In the process? You're either a believer or you're not a believer. It doesn't take years to become a Christian. It doesn't take months to become a Christian. It doesn't take days. It doesn't even take hours. You can believe in Jesus just like that. It's happened for some of you already. You just have started to believe. And this young man said to Jesus, I've kept all of these commandments ever since I've been a young boy. And I love what the Bible says. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. It would have made more sense if we read, Jesus looked at him and smacked him. 
said, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> you have not. And there might be somebody here that says, uh, I've kept all the commandments. I live by the Ten Commandments. Oh yeah, what are they? Uh, I'm not sure, but I do keep them. I read recently that a, a survey was done and more people knew the names of the four Beatles than the commandments given by God from Mount Sinai. John, Paul, George, Ringo, they know that. But they don't know these commandments. We've all broken the commandments. But God loved this young man. And God loves you. I want you to know that there is a God in heaven who loves you. A God in heaven who has a plan for your life. A God in heaven who longs for a relationship with you. How long does it take to become a Christian? It can happen just like that. It's an amazing thing. I remember when I asked the Lord to come into my life. I was a 17-year-old kid. I was on my high school campus. And I sat at a distance and watched what we called the Jesus freaks on our campus. They would sit around in a circle and sing songs about God. And I watched them thinking, these poor delusional people, they're so weird. They're so strange. And this is all wrong. None of it is true. It couldn't possibly be true. And as I sat there and watched them, a guy got up to speak. His name was Lonnie, and he made one statement. He said, Jesus said, you're for me or against me. I looked back at the Christians. I thought, well, they're for him, and I'm not one of them. Does that mean I'm against him? And suddenly I believe, just like that. I believe. How could that possibly happen? Maybe that happened for you. You just suddenly believed. And for others, it takes a little while. They come around and they warm up to it. I literally, in a moment, went from darkness to light. And so look, there, there's no secret thing to say to a person. I've had people come up to me and say, Greg, you're an evangelist. What is the one thing I can say to my non-believing friend to make them believe? Are you kidding me? If I knew such a thing, I would tell you all about it. You would have already heard it. There's no one thing I or anyone else can say to make a person believe. It needs to be a work of the Holy Spirit. But here's our job. Our job is to share the gospel, to model the gospel. And as people see it in us, they're drawn to hear what we have to say. And conversion, that can happen in a nanosecond. So keep praying for people you know that don't know the Lord. From the best-selling author of Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon, and Steve McQueen, The Salvation of an American Icon, comes Greg Laurie's new book, titled Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus, which traces the rise, fall, and sometimes redemption journeys of famous rock gods who are brought to their knees and look up to finally meet the one true God. It's all in the pages of Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus. You'll discover the excess in self-absorption, but also of sweet salvation in the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. Greg uses his own memories, interviews, and observation to draw from the lives of rock legends as they descend to the depths of hell before ascending to the highest heaven. Request your copy of Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus when you give today. What is God like? Jesus told a story that's often called the parable of the prodigal son. It's a story of a father who had two sons. I'm a father, I have two sons. And one of his sons ran away from home. 
loose paraphrase, he said, Dad, I'm tired of all your rules and regulations. I want to just live my life. And he left. And he had a lot of money. And when he hit town, he had a lot of new friends too. But as soon as the money ran out, the friends ran out with it. And one day that boy had an epiphany. And he realized, this sucks. This life is miserable. I had it better back home with dad. So the boy said, I'm gonna go home to my father and I'm gonna say, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just give me a job like one of the hired hands. And the father, seeing that boy a great way off, got up and ran to the boy and threw his arms around him and kissed him again and again and said, let's have a party, break out the barbecue. This my son who was dead is alive again. He who was lost is found and they rejoice. So what is this about? This is a picture of God. We're like the prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. We walk away from God. We don't want to live by what the Bible says. We realize how empty life is without him. So you say, how would God react if I came to him tonight? He would welcome you with open arms and say, welcome home daughter, welcome home son. Well, this kid, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't want to give up anything. Now, by the way, Jesus never told any other person to get rid of all their stuff. He just said it to this guy. And I think it's because this young man was possessed by possessions. That was in effect his God. That's what Jesus said to him. But sometimes people ask the question, if I become a Christian, will I have to give anything up? I'm gonna be honest with you. The answer is yes. Yes, give up your emptiness and replace it with fulfillment. Give up your misery and replace it with forgiveness. Give up hell and trade it for heaven. That's God's trade-in deal and it's here for you. Yes, there is an afterlife. And according to the Bible, there are two destinations in the afterlife, heaven or hell. Some of you are saying, you know, I, I kind of liked everything until you said hell. How could a God of love send someone to hell? Listen to me, God doesn't send anyone to hell. That's why he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross and absorb God's judgment in your place so you don't have to go there, you see? If you end up in hell, you'll have no one to blame but yourself on that final day. You'll have to practically climb over Jesus to get there. C.S. Lewis, the great writer once said, and I quote, the gates of hell are locked from the inside. See, we have to make a choice. You choose in this life where you will spend the afterlife. You choose in this life if you wanna find meaning and purpose in life, or if you don't, you choose in this life if you wanna to go to heaven or if you wanna to go to hell. I know some of you have come here with skepticism, and I'm glad you came, quite frankly. So you might ask, well, what, what is the meaning of life? You raise that question. The meaning of life is to know the God who created you and start a friendship with him and discover the plan that he has for you. Why are you here on this earth? You're here to walk with the Lord and it will give you purpose and hope in this life and hope for the afterlife. So maybe you would ask, well, what do I need to do? How can I believe in Jesus? Okay, if you haven't listened to anything else I've said, listen to this. Number one, to have your sin forgiven, you need to realize you're a sinner. <laughs> yes, 
you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the Bible says. What does the word sin mean? It means to cross a line. So I've got a little line right here. This is the edge of this little stage. If I cross this line, that's not gonna be good. And so when you cross the line, you break a commandment. We talked about the 10 commandments. You've sinned. Have you ever told a lie? Never told a lie. You're lying right now, sucker, right? You've told lies, we've all told lies. Have you ever hated someone? Have you ever had lust in your heart? Have you ever stolen anything? Everyone has broken these commandments. And the Bible says if you offend in one point of the law, you're guilty of all of it. So just own it, accept it, stop excusing it. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner, we're all sinners. But then realize this, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross for you. He died on the cross for you. The Bible says, why we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Look at the front of that stage behind me, right there, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes of the Father but by me. He is the way to the Father. That's how it works. Coming back to that young man, that rich young ruler, his question. What good thing must I do to have eternal life? Listen, there is no good thing you can do to have eternal life. You'll always fall short. Sometimes people think if I live a good life, maybe I'll get to heaven. No matter how good of a life you live, you'll never be good enough to get to heaven. But listen to this, heaven is not for good people, heaven is for forgiven people, and you can be forgiven of all of your sin, right here, right now. Eternal life is a gift from God. So if someone gets you a gift, and you really want the gift, what do you do? You open the gift. I love the way women open gifts and men open gifts, it's very different. When you give a gift to a woman, because they're civilized. They'll actually read the card you give them first. They'll read it. They might even be touched by what you wrote. I, we gave a little birthday gift to someone the other day and she, oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Then they'll carefully undo the ribbon. They might even say, I'm gonna save this ribbon for later. Oh, great. They'll undo the wrapping paper and be delighted by the gift. That's a woman opening a gift. Give a gift to a man. He opens a card, he's not reading it. He just opened it to see if there's money or a gift card in there. <laughs> Wrapping paper, a mere obstacle to a man. Plow through it, right? I don't care how you open the gift. God's offering you a gift tonight. Just reach out, take it, open it, enjoy it. It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. There's nothing you can do to get it. You don't deserve it, but it's a gift to you. Then you must repent of your sin. See, this is what the rich young ruler was unwilling to do. He would not turn from his sin. But the Bible says God has commanded people everywhere to repent. What does that even mean? To repent means to change your direction. It's sort of like a military term where it means like an about face, right? So I've been going away from God, now I'm going toward God. Repent of your sin. Then you receive Christ into your life. That's what it's all about. 
Being a Christian is having Jesus himself come and live inside of you. You don't have to be alone anymore. You can leave here with Christ in your life tonight knowing that you'll go to heaven when you die. You folks that are watching, Christ can come into your life. You that are listening on radio, you can do the same. The Bible says, for as many as received him, he gave them the power to become sons of God and daughters of God. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. Maybe God has spoken to your heart and you have seen your need for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came from heaven to this earth. He was born in a manger. He died on a cross. He rose again from the dead. Why? Because he loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. Listen, I'm not talking about religion. I don't want to be a religious person. I don't think you want to be one either. I'm talking about relationship with God. Jesus, who died and rose again, stands at the door of your life and he knocks and he says, if you'll hear his voice and open the door, he will come in. Question, have you asked Jesus Christ to come and live inside of you? You might say, well, I I think so. I'm not sure. Hey, if someone moved into your house in the middle of the night, do you think you would be aware of it? I'm sure you would. And in the same way, if Christ has come to live inside of you, you will know. And if you don't know, maybe he has not come in yet. He's just a prayer away. All you need to do is say, Jesus, I want this relationship with you. I want you to forgive me of my sin. I want to go to heaven when I die. Would you like to do that? Would you like Christ to come into your life? If so, why don't you just pray this simple prayer with me? You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart. But this is a prayer where you're asking Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord. Pray this with me now. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead. Now come into my life. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Thank you for hearing this prayer and answering this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you just pray that prayer with me? If so, I want you to know in the authority of Scripture that Christ himself has come to live inside of you. And I would love to send to you at no charge something called the New Believer's Bible. It's a very friendly translation of the New Testament. You'll find very understandable. And it's filled with hundreds of notes that I wrote that will encourage you in this commitment you've just made to follow Jesus. Let me send that to you at no charge. And let me be the first to say to you, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. From the best-selling author of Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon, and Steve McQueen, The Salvation of an American Icon, comes Greg Laurie's new book, titled Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus, which traces the rise, fall, and sometimes redemption journeys of famous rock gods who are brought to their knees and look up to finally meet the one true God. It's all in the pages of Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus. You'll discover the excess in self-absorption, but also of sweet salvation and the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. Greg uses his own memories, interviews, and observation to draw from the lives of rock legends 
as they descend to the depths of hell before ascending to the highest heaven. Request your copy of Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus when you give today. Hey, Southern California, Greg Laurie here. You know, there's nothing like gathering together in person to worship the Lord and hear the Word of God. And I want to personally invite you to live worship at our church campuses. There's two you can choose from. Our service times are 9 and 11 in the morning. So join us as we meet both inside and outside every Sunday morning. 